welcome back to the show. This week we have knockouts, nasty cuts, camo shorts, and Jesus? I'm Coach Snow, and this is my corner. And we are back. Uh, welcome to episode four of the podcast. Uh, we're going to talk this uh, this week. We're going to get briefly into the um, Uriah Hall versus Anderson Silva event that took place on Saturday. Got a lot to cover here, so let's go ahead and get rolling. Uh, a couple of really impressive knockouts to start the fight. Uh, this is one of those cards where I feel like the prelims were almost the, the better segment of fights of the night. Uh, Miles Johns got a performance of the night knockout against Kevin Natividad. Um, highly impressive, highly impressive round three knockout. Uh, Dustin Jacoby also win winner by knockout. Uh, this was in the first round. Um, he didn't get a performance of the night bonus, but I was very impressed with this guy. Um, immediately as soon as the fight starts, he started landing heavy, heavy leg kicks. Um, and it was a leg kick that wound up like dropping uh, Justin Ledet, and then Jacoby jumped on top and finished him. Um, very, very impressive. Um, Cole Williams uh, missed weight again, um, which you know I, I'll talk about it probably more on this podcast. But um, you know, I mean, dude, like making weight like that is your like that's your job, like that is your whole job. Um, before you go out there and fight. So missing weight is, is unprofessional to put it mildly at best, but this guy missed weight by five and a half pounds, which is, which is ridiculous. Um, Jason Witt, um, dominated the fight from the very beginning. Um, near the, near the end of the fight, he got cut open. Um, Cole Williams got cut open one of the nastiest cuts that I've seen. The blood was just pouring everywhere. It, it was um, if you want to see a ten eight round, like if you ever if like if you don't know what that is, and if you hear someone mention a if a round should be a ten eight as far as scoring goes, watch the first round of this fight. That is the definition of a ten eight round. Uh, hit him with a m massive slam right at the beginning. Um, of the round and just dominated him for the rest of it. Uh, beginning of the second round, he landed an even bigger slam than the first one. Literally ran him across the cage. Um, the cut was looking very, very bad. Um, and then got him into an arm triangle, choked him out um, two minutes into the second round. Dominant, impressive win by Jason Witt. Left absolutely no question. And, uh, I mean, honestly, like... I. I love to see, you know, you love to see it when somebody misses weight by that bad because it's just wildly unprofessional. So it, it feels good to see Jason Witt get the get the the submission there. Adrian Yanez, um, first round knockout over Victor Rodriguez, also performance of the night. Holy head kick! Uh, this was this guy's debut. Uh, in the UFC, hit an insane, crazy head kick knockout. Finished him off round one. Uh, oof, can't can't ask for more than that. And then the um, feature bout that was on 
The uh, prelims was also a performance of the night bonus to Alexander the Great Hernandez. It was good to see him come back after um, he's been on a bit of a negative slide here lately. Um, and he fought a very impressive, very one-sided fight against Jesus. I mean, not Jesus. A guy that looks just like him, but yeah. Chris uh, Grutzmacher? Grutz? I'm sure that that's probably wrong. Uh, Gritzmacher, I think is what it is. Uh, Chris Gritzmacher, who could, um, if he wasn't playing Jesus and like some plays when he was a kid i don't know what he was doing with his life but uh yeah he got knocked clean out by alexander the great hernandez so uh impressive fight um on to main card uh kevin holland uh got a performance of the night bonus with his win over uh charlie ontiveros um i don't know look i mean i it was an impressive fight but Charlie Ontiveros was also the biggest underdog of any fight on that card. Um, you know, he was, you know, I'm not taking anything away from Kevin Holland. It was an impressive victory. Uh, don't know that it rises to the level of a performance of the night, but what well, I don't know. It's my opinion. Greg Hardy, um, you know, I talked about him last week, and I have to say, like, I was pretty impressed with him this week um his the his fighting style was a lot neater it was a lot crisper um he looked more polished in there than he has in the past he looked more like he knew what he was doing um especially when it came to the ground game because i think a lot of people figured based on how he had fought up to this that it was just he was kind of a one-dimensional fighter he just went out there with heavy hands and that was that was all he had he showed in this fight when it went to the ground that he could dominate on top. Um, he had good ground and pound. He knew when to stand up and not just waste his energy and not just lay on top of him. He also showed that his uh, very heavy hands and his knockout power extends past the first round because that was another question, is that if he could not knock you out in the first round, once it got past the first round, then that was it. Um, but he showed... Um, very early, about a minute into the second round, he finished Maurice Green and, um, yeah, pretty, pretty impressive. So, you know, I don't, I'm definitely not like on the hype train for him just yet, just given what I've seen, but I am very interested and excited to see what he does going forward. Co-main event, um, you know, Andre Feely lost by decision. It was... You know, Andre Feely is a is definitely I think uh, leans more towards striking, and um, Bryce Mitchell just kind of took him down and wrestled him the whole time. And you know, I definitely you know it was clear that Bryce Mitchell won the fight. Um, outside of that, I'm not going to give any more time to this because Bryce Mitchell was out there in his camo shorts. And then after the fight, um, went on a long tirade against um, wearing masks and told a lot of very, very inaccurate and false claims about his home state and about their response to the coronavirus pandemic. And um, 
you know, I just, you know, he's out there fighting in camo shorts. I mean, I don't know what else you would expect of him than to be a an ignorant hillbilly. But, you know, he had to go and open his mouth and prove to everybody that he's just an idiot. So, you know, good for you, Bryce Mitchell. You, you know won the most boring fight in the most boring way, and then you let everybody know how much of a complete idiot you are. So, good for you. Main event fight, Uri Hall versus Anderson Silva. Um, you know, got a lot of thoughts on this fight. Uh, it, was, it was a very fun fight. Um, if you get past the first two and a half minutes of the first round, it's a very fun fight. Um you know, Uriah Hall is one of those guys that I've liked for a long time, but very much like Tyron Woodley, he has a big problem with letting his hands go. When he does let them go, he has impressive power and in is very strong and has just dynamite and can knock people out. And um, we saw that in this fight. It took him a long time to really get going and start letting his hands go, but when he did... Um, it was, you know, he, he dropped Anderson Silva a couple of times. But in the fourth round, about a minute and a half into the first round, or fourth round, sorry, um, you know, Silva was coming forward, hands down, doing the same thing that he always does. And uh, Uriah Hall caught him with a short right hand right behind the ear, dropped him, uh, got on him, finished him. You know, hats off to the ref for, for letting it go. I think there's going to be some, you know, I'm sure that there's people that are going to say that it wasn't a good stoppage, but I mean, Silva was eating, he ate probably four or five hands on the ground, just completely unprotected. And, um, you know, he's not a, uh, he's not a spring chicken anymore. After the fight was over, you know, it was one of the most emotional and intense shows of respect that I've seen in a long time. Uh, both men were just kind of openly weeping Uriah Hall actually apologized to Silva for this because, you know, Uriah Hall's a, a younger guy and he's watched Anderson Silva his whole entire career. And um, to go out there and beat him in what what Silva said will be his last fight, um, you know, it's definitely one of those passing of the torch type moments. Um and it was, you know, it was an impressive fight. I mean, even throughout the whole fight, I'm not taking anything at all away from Silva because w once he got going, like I said, if you can get past about the first couple of minutes where there was, like, not a single punch thrown, he looked very good. I mean, he still has this, this ability to just create chaos. You never know what he's going to do. Um Somewhere around the second round is when he started kind of taunting, and you saw that sort of charisma come back. Um, and that's a side we haven't seen out of Silva in, in a while, you know, I feel like. And um, and it was good to watch. It was impressive. He's still fast. He's still throwing crazy combinations and uh, shots and angles from, from everywhere. And he's still just an impressive guy to watch. Um, you know, I've, I've talked about it before. On here that you know my my history of being a fan of Anderson Silva was kind of long and complicated. I was a huge fan all the way up until he fought Forrest Griffin and just dismantled Forrest Griffin, and then I didn't like him for a long time. Um, I was really kind of over his 
showboating and the way that he taunted people throughout the fight. Um, it just didn't do it for me anymore. And it took me a long time to really kind of become a fan again. But the one thing I will say is that Silva, you know, from the time that he entered the UFC for a long, long time was just the apex. He was just the best that there was. Um, he was a legend. He was just the greatest of all time. Everybody was afraid of him. Um, and when that happens, your confidence level goes through the roof. And we could always see that Silva was a, was a guy who fought on confidence. And when he lost um, the first fight to Chris Weidman, you know, it was because he spent the entire fight showboating, playing games, um, and he got caught and he got knocked out. And, you know... That's one of my all-time favorite fights to watch because I was so ready for someone to just come in there and clean his clock. And uh, and that's what Weidman did. So, you know, when he lost that fight, it was a very humbling thing, I think. Um, because when you watch the rematch, you see how much tighter and how much um, more disciplined Silva is in that fight. And you could tell that you know, having had that loss and having lost the way that he did because he was, you know, showboating and, and being arrogant and being overly confident against somebody like Chris Weidman, to lose that fight and to lose it that way really put a different perspective on it for him, I think, you know. And then you see in the second fight how much more laser-focused he was. So for him to go out there and lose the way that he did by attempting that kick and breaking his leg. Um, after that, it's just, Silva was never the same after that. And, um, you know, it's it's easy to see why, you know, because he, here was a guy who fought on confidence, who was just unbeatable, was, was the best to do it, was number one pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world, and was untouchable. And, you know, he fought everybody and everybody just made him look silly. And so, you know, when he fought Chris Weidman the first time, a lot of people didn't even have any idea who Chris Weidman was better yet. Like why he was even getting a title shot against the great Anderson Silva. I think a lot of people thought it was just going to be another thing. And I think Silva thought that it was going to be another thing where he would just go out and embarrass Weidman. And, um, that's not what happened. He went out and he acted silly and, um, got knocked out for it. So that really changed his perspective, um, or it's how it seems anyway. And for the remainder of his career, he just hasn't been the same. He hasn't been as scary. He hasn't been as, um, he just hasn't been as impressive. And so, you know, the conversation right now is that this was Anderson Silva's last fight, that he was going to retire after this fight. And honestly, I think that is the right move. Um, you know, in my opinion, Silva has nothing left to prove to anybody. You know, he has fought and beat some of the best fighters in the world in their prime. Um, and he is now at a point in his career where, I, you know, again, I just, I don't think, he's, he's a legend. He's going to be a legend forever. And I think that if he goes the route of, like, a BJ Penn, where he's clearly past his prime, he's clearly not the fighter that he used to be, and he continues taking fight after fight after fight, 
and losing all these fights. And even if he does win, it's not that impressive. I just don't know how much it's worth him tarnishing his legacy to keep doing it. Um, but, you know, hats off to Uriah Hall. He fought a, a good, smart fight. You know, he was not doing great against Silva. I mean, he was, you know, he was showing good defense, but he definitely was getting out, outstruck for sure, which again is not super uh, unheard of, especially not for Uriah Hall. His coach, I think, was giving him great advice that he needed to go first. He needed to let his hands go. And uh, we saw that when he did that, he knocked out one of the greatest of all time. So, you know, Uriah Hall is going to be, you know, he's a, he's always going to be a contender. I think that he's within a couple of fights away from championship consideration. And um, I think that if he starts making the adjustments that he made late in this fight and upcoming fights, that we're going to see, you know, we're going to see another side out of him. So hopefully it doesn't take so long to get him back into the cage again. I know he's had a lot of, a lot of issues getting back in there. None of them have been his fault, but you know, a lot of fights have fallen through. So hopefully we can, um, we can move past that and we can see him really show what he can do. So going to take a quick break. And when I come back, it'll be headlines. And welcome back. Uh, we're going to get into a headline this week. Um, really just one major headline, but there's definitely a lot to unpack here. So it was announced on Saturday by Dana White that the next fight for Israel Adesanya is that he's going to step up to 205 and fight Jan Blahovich. Um Now, there's definitely some... I don't want to call it drama, but there's definitely some discussion to be had around the way that Dana put it with that being that, um, Adesanya is trying to stay busy since Robert Whitaker isn't willing to step up. Um, you know, Robert Whitaker has responded to that already. You know, he said that he never said that he didn't want to fight Adesanya. Um, you know, and I talked about it on here before. I'm not 100% certain that even I think that Whitaker is ready for a, um, a rematch right away, but, you know, it is what it is. I, um, so, you know, I'll say in my, my opinion, I don't think that a Robert Whitaker rematch is the fight that I want to see next for Adesanya. So, you know, um, Stylebender is, you know, in my opinion, I think he's he's probably the best fighter in the UFC right now. Uh, he's definitely one of the most impressive. You look at people who have beaten and cleaned out weight classes. There's really not anybody else that's beaten the level of competition that he has and beaten, beaten them as soundly as he has. Now, there's definitely some contenders coming up at 185. You know, I think that Uriah Hall is always a contender. Um, but, you know, as I've already talked about on here today, I think that he is a couple of fights away. Um, you know, given what I saw in his fight against, you know, definitely past his prime Anderson Silva, he really doesn't have a, I don't think, a very good chance against Izzy right now. 
Now, what's fun about this fight is that for Adesanya to move up to 205, if he goes up and he beats Jan Blachowicz, it's kind of the ultimate middle finger to John Jones. Because, you know, Jones cleaned out the light heavyweight division. He's been in the company for over a decade. And, you know, he has had ample opportunity to move up and wait and face some different competition. And um, he's never done it. And, you know, Adesanya, I think, put it really, put it really well. He said that he, you know, he cleaned the light heavyweight division twice, and then he started fighting recycled middleweights, and um, and that's true. And you know, and I've mentioned it on here before that I was not overly impressed with um, with John Jones and most of his last handful of fights. I was also told that my hot takes on. Jones and in my last episode were were pretty spicy but you know like the title of the episode was I mean that's the hill I'm going to die on you know I'm not I'm not trying to take anything away from what John Jones has done in the cage as a competitor but he is just being a petulant child over being told that he's not the greatest of all time because at the end of the day, whether it is the uh, whether it's the steroids, whether it's the cocaine, whether it's the hit and runs, it's it's all the things that make it so hard to be a fan of him. And not only does it make it hard to be a fan, you know, those things are gonna those things have and will continue to tarnish his legacy forever. And that's just all there is to it. I mean, it would. There's a there's a difference between can somebody make a mistake and then they have to live with that mistake for the rest of their lives. You know, I definitely believe in forgiveness and I believe in getting second chances. But John Jones has had chance after chance after chance and then you know, and he squanders them every time. So, you know, and now we've have we have this situation with him and Adesanya, where he definitely has the opportunity to move forward and like really show that he's the best in the world. But, you know, he wasn't getting what he wanted. And so he threw a temper tantrum and he vacated his belt. And then, you know, he wouldn't fight like he, he didn't want to fight Jan Blachowicz for it. And he wanted to defend his belt against him. That's why he went up. And that's why he will, you know, I say he's gone up. He hasn't fought anybody. He just walked away, you know, because he's being, he's being a child, I think. And, you know, um, he talked a lot of trash at Israel Adesanya, telling him that he needed to, if he, if he wanted to fight him, he could step up and fight him, you know, move up and wait and fight me. So if, if Adesanya goes in here and wins this fight, not only will it be very impressive for him to be, this will make him the fifth double champion in UFC history. So that would be an accomplishment in and of itself, especially considering how long he's been in the UFC, which is not that long. But, you know, this dude completely cleaned out middleweight, and now he's going to go up to light heavyweight. And if he does the things there that he has done at middleweight, you know, what does that say about his legacy? 
you know, it's going to put him in a position where he's going to have the bigger legacy and the more impressive championship run and just the more impressive fight run. Just everything about him is going to be better than John Jones. Least of which, because, well, up until now, we haven't seen anything or anything to give us a reason to believe that, you know, Adesanya is engaging in any of the kind of shenanigans that John Jones did or does or whatever. You know, and someone had tweeted to John Jones that, you know, like, because of all the things that you've done between steroids and whatever else, you're never going to be the greatest of all time. And someone's got to tell you the truth. And that's just how it is. Um, you know, I, I you know, I, I don't like spending this much time um, talking about him, but, you know, it's, like I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to discount that this guy is undefeated, you know, virtually undefeated, um, and has had some very impressive fights, and, and I was a fan. You know, I've got respect for the things that he can do inside the cage, for the most part. You know, I think that his playing cat and mouse with people and just kind of toying with people that he that he fights instead of actually engaging in a fight and just kind of coasting by on points. And I also think that his, uh, his habit of just holding his fingers straight out so that he can poke you in the eye, uh, those are the things that I think definitely take away from him as a fighter inside the cage. Outside of that, it's really hard to find fault with him in the cage. But, so... So what happens now, I guess? So, you know, say that we get Adesanya goes up, you know, he goes up 205. Say he beats, he goes up and he beats, his, beats Jan Blahovich, takes his belt, becomes champ champ. So then what's next? You know, we have other contenders at 205. You know, I think that a Israel Adesanya-Dominic Reyes fight is something I'd like to see. You know, and we're going to get into it here in a little bit, but, you know, um, Glover Teixeira is fighting this weekend against Santos. And, you know, I think that that also is an impressive thing to look at going forward because, especially considering that I really think Santos had a very legitimate shot against John Jones if he hadn't completely blown his leg up in the first round. And I know I know I've already talked about it before. So I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on it. But the fact of the matter is he blew his leg up in that first round and then finished that fight and John Jones couldn't finish him. So what could he have done with having not blown his leg up? I guess we'll never know. But, you know, the point is that there are contenders still at 205. Whether, whether there's anybody that really makes sense right away, I don't know. But I think that a... Israel Adesanya, Jan Blachowicz fight looks very interesting, looks very exciting, and it's uh, definitely something that I'm interested in seeing. And, you know, if, you know, I don't know what happens thereafter, but, you know, if we see a Israel Adesanya move up to 205, take that belt, and then John Jones decides he wants to fight at heavyweight, and say that he goes up to heavyweight and he wins the belt, you know, what happens then? So does he come back down to 205 to fight Adesanya? Does Adesanya step up to heavyweight? Like, I just don't know what that looks like. But either way, um, it looks like some very fun and interesting 
fights on the horizon, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to see him. I'm going to take another break, and when we come back, it will be time for a predictions. And welcome back. We're going to get into some predictions for this weekend. We have uh, Santos versus Teixeira coming up. Um, really just a couple of fights on here that I really want to shed some light on. Um, first is Claudia Gadelia versus Jan Jaunen. Um, you know, strawweight is shaping up to be one of the most interesting and exciting uh, weight classes going into 2021. There's a lot of really good matchups that could be made. And there's just a ton of talent in there right now. So this is definitely a old guard versus new wave style of fight. Um, you know, Claudia Gadelia has been around for a while. Um, she is always a threat. And, you know, she's 5-2 and two in her last seven fights. Um, she's got split decision wins over Carlos Barzla and Angela Hill. Um, she shifted her training to New Jersey after she lost to, uh, Nina Ansaroff, and, um, she's really been showing a lot more facets to her game, especially since she's been working under Mark Henry. Um, much better, uh, much more patient approach, uh, to her stand-up, much, much better cardio, and, um... You know, I think that we're seeing her in, you know, a, one of the more prime parts of her career. And, you know, out of her, la you know, her last couple of fights, I mean, they've been good, but they haven't been great. They haven't really been anything that's shown why she is deserving of a championship fight in the near future. She's shown that she's obviously still good and can still win fights, but... You know, how um, how much in the title picture is she right now? So, across the cage is uh, Yan Xiaonin, who is on an 11-fight streak right now. Um, she's 31. She's won all five of her fights in the UFC. Um, and even though that she's beaten both Angela Hill and Carolina Kovalkiewicz, um She's pretty unknown. She's pretty unheard of. So, you know, I guess the best way to look at this fight is that it is exactly what both of these women need right now. You know, if Jan is able to win this fight, it would be an impressive victory over, you know, a perennial contender like Claudia Gadelia. And if Claudia Gadelia can win this fight, you know, it shows that not only does she still have it, but she still has it against young, exciting up-and-comers who, you know, like I said, she's coming into this fight on an 11-fight unbeaten streak. So, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see this fight. And I think that it's going to be a, um, a big indicator of what we're looking at as far as strawweight and strawweight title contention over the next year. Um, I definitely have to talk about, you know, the co-main event of the night is going to be Andre Arlovsky versus Tanner Bozer. Andre Arlovsky is one of my all-time favorite fighters. He's definitely one of my all-time favorite heavyweights. Um, he is 41 years old, and um, 
you know, he's definitely had some highs and lows throughout his career. Um, the fact that he is still out there and he's still going forward and still taking on young up and coming talent and still looking great most of the time doing it is, it is super impressive. So, you know, Andre the Pitbull Arlovsky has one of my, you know, a couple of my all-time favorite fights, which I'm sure I'll get into on Hall of Fame on here. But, man, he's just, I just love him. Uh, he's super professional. He's super, uh, you know, he doesn't go and talk a lot of trash. And, um, you know, and he's still out there fighting guys and uh, just, you know, is, is always impressive. You know, I'm always, I'm always excited to see Arlovsky fight. Um. Bozer is also a very impressive fighter. Uh, he's 29. He's fighting out of Canada. Um, he's got a lot of experience right now. He's 3-1 and one in the UFC. Um, he's definitely... This fight is definitely one of those, like, legend versus contender style fights. Um, you know, if we're going to see after this fight, somebody's going to be up in the top 15... And, you know, this is a, this is a good fight for both of these guys. You know, Arlovsky, I don't think really enjoys being, you know, having like the title of like gatekeeper for the heavyweight division, but that's kind of what's happened with him. Um, you know, if he can knock off this dude who is young and fast and is really making a good showing so far in his career, it's going to be. You know, does Arlovsky still have another title run in him before he hangs it up? Um, personally, I don't really think so. Um, but either way, I think that this is a uh, I think this is an entertaining fight, and uh, you know, like I said, I'm always excited to see Arlovsky, so I'm never going to complain about chance to see that. And then, of course, the main event is a light heavyweight matchup between Thiago Santos and Glover Teixeira. Um, you know, this is a, this is an interesting fight. Um, you know, I think that, you know, John, uh, you know, uh, Tiago Santos fought John Jones and not only, you know, like I've already mentioned tonight, not only did he finish that fight after literally tearing his leg apart, um, he only lost that fight by split decision. And, um, you know, I think he exceeded a lot of expectations. But, you know, he used to be a middleweight. He earned uh, four straight fights. And um, he actually had a very vicious third-round stoppage of um, Jan Blahovich. So, I think that this guy is a serious contender. I think that he is... Um, you know, I think that he should all, I think he should definitely be in the conversation, especially now that he's back after, you know, having his leg tore apart. But I'm very interested to see how he fights, um, how he, how he approaches this fight. Now, Glover Teixeira is 41. I think that Glover Teixeira is still a great fighter. Um, he is still just, you know, he's just moving forward and, uh, you know, still having good, Good, good fights. You know, he had a great fight with Anthony Smith. Um, you know, he's nine and three in his last dozen fights or so, and he's not really showing like any signs that he plans on quitting anytime soon. Uh, he still looks good. He's still in good shape. So, 
you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what he has in this. This is actually the third time that we have seen this fight booked. Uh, both of these guys have had um, their own little run-ins with COVID-19, and that's delayed it. And um, I'm very glad to see this fight finally coming to fruition. So, you know, you know, obviously I'm going to pray to the to the weight-cutting gods this week to make sure this fight actually happens. But, you know, like I've already mentioned, um, you know, with Jones vacating the 205 belt, and now with Jan Blahovic uh, at the top of the division, I think that this is a very exciting time again for for light heavyweight. You know, there was a time, and, and it was leading up to this like last fight, that it had been, I don't remember how many years, but something like a decade since either John Jones or DC weren't fighting for the light heavyweight belt. And, um, you know, with the Jones out of the picture with DC out of the picture, it's making room for some, for some younger and well, not so much with Glover Teixeira, but it's making room for some other contenders and some interesting fights. You know, I think that long-term, if we see Santos win this fight, um, and you know, I think that he definitely deserves a title shot. I think that he deserved really a rematch with John Jones anyway. But, you know, with John Jones stuck in his tail and being a child, you know, we're not going to, we're probably never going to get to see that fight. So, um, but yeah, this will be the first time that Santos has fought in over a year. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hyped for it. So, yeah, so that'll be this uh, Saturday, November the 7th. Uh, main card starts at 10 o'clock on ESPN. Okay. So that's it for this week, guys. Um, thanks for, for tuning in and, and listening. I appreciate it. We're, we're getting there. Um, you know, as um, as the show gets a little bigger and and I get more of you guys that are interested in listening, then um, just makes me feel good. It makes me feel good that anybody has any interest in what I've got to say about this stuff. So, you know, like I said, from the beginning, I'm, I'm doing this cause it's fun for me and it's nice to talk about these things. And, um, yeah, you know, I like it. Um, again, if you guys ever want to reach out to me, I'm at coach at gmail.com. Again, that's coach at gmail.com. Um, you can find this podcast now. I'm on Google Podcast as well as Podcast and of course Spotify. Um, as soon as I'm on Apple Podcasts, I will let you guys know. But until then, you know, like every week, if you know, if you're seeing this from a social media post, give it a share. Tell somebody, you know, if there's somebody you know that likes mixed martial arts and you think that they might have any interest in listening to anything I've got to say, then let them know. Drop them a link. Um until next time, I uh, hope you guys have a wonderful week. If today's election day, so I hope you guys are getting out there and voting if you haven't done it already. And uh, yeah, so we'll be back on Thursday with Hall of Fame. Have a good day, guys. See ya.